Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Monday for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. This Including is the Wes Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep the text coming on the Charlotte Men's Clinic text line. We got some great texts coming in. Guys are lit today, and uh, it hadn't been as much negativity, you know? I guess maybe they saved the positivity for us. Well, it's just the same people, right? Like, Roger the Irishman, he's not here for it. Yeah. Uh, Bebop from Rock Thrill, he wants to let us know. That he is not in on Bryce Young. We got you, Bebop. We got you. MW says, hire Evero. Build off your okay. strength. Uh, Travis in Denver, so not so positive. He said, what makes you think Ben Johnson is coming here? We would be lucky if we got a top five head coach prospect. Well, sir, you have a very rich owner. They can throw the bag at them, and the bag always talks. The last time It, it talks. It, it doesn't mean that it can be 100% persuasive, but it does talk. It does yeah, allow you to I have the conversation. If you give you 5 to $10 million more than the next man, that's going to talk a whole well, lot. That's going to talk loud. And the other thing, too, is if you look <laughs> at the, the Chargers job is officially open, and you have Justin Herbert there, yeah, and that's a that's a lot better QB than you're starting with in a lot of situations. So you may, it's still going to be attractive. There's still a lot of problems that you got to deal with, though. No question. And with, with the Chargers being really top-heavy roster, lots of money to those guys. They're old. Very flawed football team. Yeah. So I, Chicago is going to be one. And I think they were the last team standing for you, Wes, as far as yeah. the most attractive job. And yeah. I think the more I read about some of these jobs opening up, it feels like that's somewhat the consensus. Yeah, I get to control my destiny. Yeah. I'm going to get the number one pick more than likely, another top five pick, so I've got a lot to work with. And then trade Justin Fields. They're, yeah. they're set up well. All right, well, that was pro football, but it's time to talk some college sports. This is now time for the campus. Coda! Oh, man, Bryce's future coach, John Calipari, got the job done this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> they took care of the North Carolina Tar Heels. And what was a great game. I was looking forward to it all day. John Calipari moved to 6-1 and one against North Carolina since he arrived at Kentucky when facing a Tar Heel team that's ranked in the top 10 of the AP Top 25 poll. All six of the wins have been by single digits, and four of them have been by four points or less. Their top four scores were all freshmen and North Carolina met their demise in A-Town. But, hey, R.J. Davis was a bright spot, and we're going to get to him in just a minute. But he has been lighting it up. He scored over uh, – he scored 160 points in the last six games, became just the fourth player in North Carolina history to have 26-plus points in five straight basketball games. But this was a game, folks, that – when you looked at what North Carolina was able to do, not enough bench points, only 14 of those. Then you look at second chance points, only six of those hammered on the board. They were as well. Carolina just didn't get enough from some of those role players and certainly didn't get enough from Armando Baycott. Nine points, six boards, six turnovers. That's not enough for a guy that's been in college for 10 plus seasons. Uh, he should be out there really dominating this thing. Carolina loses 87-83. Walker Mail, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, Armando, the name that you mentioned there last, I thought that was 
I think it was the biggest reason that they lost, especially when you talk about the amount of offensive rebounds that Kentucky was able to corral. If you go to the amount of offensive rebounds, they got it. They got 18 compared to North Carolina's six. Yes. And they were in crucial moments, too. Kentucky was able to grab offensive boards at the end of this basketball game to continue to give the Wildcats life to further separate themselves. I mean, North Carolina, they were there. They were right there at the end. You have the awful turnover from Elliott Cadeau where he comes in cold and then throws it to Cormac Ryan. The problem is Cormac, Cormac was looking the attention. opposite way. Hits him square in the back. Cadeau was angry, clearly demonstrative, and then the basketball goes out of bounds despite, I think it was RJ that was trying to save but wasn't able to do so. Kentucky goes right back down, and they eventually win by four points. Armando's stat line, it's troubling here, Wes. Nine points, six rebounds, six turnovers, four personal fouls, only one block and one steal. So you're telling me that Armando has as many turnovers as he does rebounds in a game where they got out-rebounded on the offensive glass by 12 and you also only score nine points, you foul four times. They're just, this was as bad a game as I've seen him, certainly when you look at the box score. And man, if you go back to last year, how he finished out December, remember that streak, uh, that streak of games that he finished with just double-double every single night? He was scoring over 20 points going into the new year. Man, Armando now, 13 points in back-to-back games leading up to Kentucky. You did have a 13-13 and 13 board game. That's what you want him to do, but only nine points here. I thought Armando was the guy that I looked at and said, yeah, they need a lot more out of you, especially against a team that is going to board so well. All right, and Armando, before I go to you, Fiddy, to me, Armando should be a guy that's 18-plus a night. He should be a guy that Carolina should be able to throw down in the paint, throw the brock to him, and get a bucket, plain and simple. He's been in college, in my opinion, for too long not to be more skilled than what he is in the post. As I said, this should be a guy Carolina should be able to run offense through and create it for others as well, to where he's commanding double teams on a regular basis, finding open shooters. But, Fiddy, what say you, the Carolina aficionado, about what happened to those Tar Heels going up against Kentucky? I mean, I think, first off, you you, you got to love the effort. you got to love the fight because this team didn't have that a year ago. Um, I thought early first half when they got down double digits, I thought we might get run out of the gym. Um, because then, like, I know Kentucky lost to UNC Wilmington really, really good. Very good on the offensive end. Rob Dillingham is going to be a problem for the SEC. The problem with this team that, care, that Hubert Davis has to figure out what to do moving forward is your best offensive five isn't your best defensive five. And how are you going to mix and match that throughout the flow of the game to help you on both ends of the court? Because Elliot Cadeau needs to be on the court offensively. But he is a walking liability on the defensive end of the court like most freshman guards that are his size are. And that's going to be something they got to figure out. And also, you know, as a basketball fan, I don't know if I could watch 30 more games watching us get pummeled on the boards like this and not lose my mind. Well, let's hear from Hubert Davis on what happened on that final offensive play. There's, yeah, you have turnovers. We had 17 of them. So, I mean, that was just an unfortunate situation. And, you know, sometimes um, you turn the ball over and um, we ended up turning the ball over at that situation. The play was not to turn the ball over. <laughs> that was that was pretty good by Hubert. What were you going to say, Walker? No, I, I like that play. I like getting everybody into the huddle and say, hey, don't turn it over here. Break. That was the play, and eventually they could not execute it. Yeah, just 
what I, I was watching with a few buddies of mine and they went to the kitchen to go get something. I was like, hey guys, make sure you come back. They're about to have the final possession. And then they come back and then they see, you know, this turnover and then they go right back. It's like, all right, well, I'll just continue to do what I was doing. And uh, really underwhelming what we got to see. And lastly, too, to put a ball on it, let's hear from Hubert as well on the team continuing to fight, but they lost in the trenches. The team has always had fight. That just That's never been a question or a concern at all. Um, I love this group and I love their competitive fight. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I talked to them before the game that in any game, but you know, specifically in games like this, where they're won are in the trenches. And in the trenches, what lives there is boxing out, loose balls, rebounds, attacking offensive glass, uh, finishing around the basket. Um, those type of plays and so um, they out rebounded us by 10 they got 18 offensive rebounds and um, we had 17 turnovers and we lost by four so Carolina committed 17 turnovers that was the most since committing 18 against Alabama last season but with that said is this early season schedule whipping them into shape or is it making the fans lose confidence with some of these early losses. I'll go with the former. I think it's whipping them into shape. They have a couple wins against raked opponents. They're not getting destroyed. UConn really did separate themselves at the end of that game that they played, I guess, a week ago. Against Kentucky, they really did have a lot of bad mistakes that did them in into what was a close game. What's happening, Wes, is it doesn't seem like they're taking that next step into top tier two, bottom tier one. Like, they're pretty solidly in whatever that Tier 2 uh, group looks like. Even Calipari is saying, yeah, that's a Final Four caliber team. They lost by two on what was a bad turnover at the end of this game with Cadeau hitting Cormac right in the back. I, I left that UConn game not having any problems. Like, that that team is ridiculous. Even seeing what they did this weekend, too, against Gonzaga. They got out to, like, a 20-point lead early on. I just thought, okay, I'm cool. After this one, I'll tell you, yeah, Harrison is going to have to rebound more for them. Usually if they have two bigs that you rely on, Harrison had been a better rebounder, only four in back-to-back games for him now. And Armando, clearly, if they get beat on the glass this badly, then it's going to be tough to make up for some of those turnovers. But I don't I don't expect it to be that bad. I don't expect the turnovers to be this bad consistently. And we'll see what they're able to do against another ranked opponent that they have on the schedule. It, it's a tough schedule for North Carolina to get out of the gate. Yeah, I'm not saying completely the Carolina fans should lose confidence. It's just Armando Baycott, you got to get more from him because R.J. Davis, I don't know in, if you can expect him to put up these types of numbers every single night. The shot making is ridiculous for him. Yeah, On his back, you're going to have to get more like 50 said from Cadeau and some of those young guys, the Seth Trimbles and Jalen Washingtons and guys that have been there a little bit that you expect more from. So I'm going to go with the fans have to have some calls for concern at this point until we can see them get a quality win, until we can see Armando Baycott put together some consistent play because four out of his last five games, he's had 13 points or less. Fiddy, what say you? You've got to think that's going to be a flagrant. The question is, is it a one or a two? <laughs> Wake Forest alum and known Carolina hater Wes Bryant is preaching to Carolina fans. You need to have patience. Tells you all the why I'm at the foul line. I'm on my Twitter at roughly 8 p.m. on Saturday night 
Fire Hubert Davis this. Fire Hubert Davis that. And, boy, I know this is rich coming from me, a guy that fired (laughs) Hubert Davis in the middle of his first season. Guys, he is not the problem. He's not the one that got out-rebounded. He's not the one that turned the ball over 17 times. He's not the one that missed free throws down the stretch. He's... That wasn't the reason why you got beat. He put together a schedule to get you ready for ACC play. You're 7-3. and three. You're ranked number 11 in the country. If you beat number 7 Oklahoma on Wednesday, are you still going to want to fire the coach? I don't think so. We as a fan base have been spoiled with legendary coaches and legendary players. The last couple years, yes, they've been down. But as a Carolina fan, how can you not watch the effort? How can you not watch the passion and not be excited about that? This was a team that last year that got embarrassed, that slept walked through the biggest failure of a season in the history of the sport. So it's not going to be easy getting Carolina back to the top of the ACC, back to the top of the college basketball world. There are going to be lumps in the road. It's December. We're playing for March. You play this game again in March. I don't think those turnovers happen. I don't think those mistakes happen. I think Carolina beats them on a neutral court. All right, man. Listen, I, <sighs> you know, I had some portal news for you and stuff like that, but that can wait. After Fitty smoked the mic like that, so he caught a foul on himself too. The last two times people have gone to the foul line, they've just said, you know what, I'm going to blow my own whistle I, I, here. I, 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 look, I know last year it was you and Myron Goodman, Fitty. What kind of game did you watch on Saturday? Rebounding's all about fight. It's also about technique. Oh, is Myron is. Myron Myron back? Is he he having a a season-long fight with one of us once again? How do you not watch that game and thought they didn't didn't fight? They got beat by a really, really good Kentucky team. It's going to happen when you play really, really good college basketball teams. You're going to lose. And real quick, too, do you guys think that R.J. Davis at this point is the ACC player of the year, maybe a national player of the year front runner? Um what do you think? Go, go, okay. Keep going, buddy. You know, keep cord- going. You keep it cracking. I, I just threw some speaking. gasoline in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cordially speaking. Cordially. Every media member that voted on the preseason all-ACC team, every every should be fired. Because this guy was not preseason all-ACC first team, preseason all-ACC second team, let alone preseason ACC player of the year. And look at his numbers. He is thriving yeah, without Caleb Love. He yeah. is thriving. He's I, right there. I mean, it's it's like 10 separating him from Blake Henson from Pitt, but 21 and 6 and 21 6 4. Come on. Uh, RJ's been ridiculous. I, the shot making, too, it's it's automatic. Mid range, three point shot. It just feels like it's going in every time he puts it up, and it's hard off the dribble. He's coming around screens and scoring. There are some times where he has to finish above the trees in traffic. There was a bank shot from the left side with his right hand in a crucial moment to try to keep them in this at the end of the, uh, that game on Saturday, I he would be my vote if I and had a vote for and a player of the year. he's playing like he's been waiting on this moment. When you see some of his reactions to some of the shots he's hitting, and I'm not inside of his brain to know what exactly he is thinking, but he's got that confidence going like, man, I've been waiting to show y'all this for me to just be able to have this green light and get bucket. He's playing like a man who just got the Caleb Love handcuffs taken off of him. That That is exactly what I was getting at as well. But when we come back, We're going to have a say something nice about the Panthers draft. This should be interesting and fun. You know we're going to bring it. This is the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC.
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Say Something Nice Draft. It's coming up now on Wesson Walker. Thanks for tuning in. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Just for some background, I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast this weekend. And they had a draft. It was Kevin Pelton as the guest with Zach. And they had a Say Something Nice draft about the worst teams in the NBA. And so they had a bunch of teams that are out of the play-in tournament. The Charlotte Hornets were in there, too. And the Hornets, they were one of the last draft picks. Not the last two, because that I believe that belonged to Washington and Detroit, as you might think. But the Hornets, I think they were like maybe fourth to last, fifth to last, something like that. And you drafted a team, and you had to say something nice about them. And you wanted to take the easiest, nice things to say first. And then you wanted to wait as long as you could, so you didn't have to catch a Washington compliment or even say anything positive about Detroit. So we're going to do that here, except maybe it's not so much of the worst things going on with Carolina. Like I'm not going to force you to say something nice about David Tepper, even though you could like, there's some things we could say nice about David Tepper for sure, but you can just draft whatever you want to. So Fiddy's going to play as well. Fiddy, are you going to set us up with some sound here with the, the draft sound as well? Make this thing official. Yeah. Bring in the NFL films, bring in the draft sounder. Wes, you're first on the board just because, well, I decided that you would go first, if that's okay. That's, you can go first. That's more than okay. I would imagine that having the first overall pick is something. I traded my first round pick to you in order to go get this segment. Whoa. And so you're Chicago, and you have the first pick. You, you didn't want- negotiate with the GM of the show? No, I'm the owner of this segment. And so when I'm David Tepper, I meddle in everything. <laughs> Whether it's good or bad, I meddle in everything. And so for better or worse, Wes is going to have the first pick. All right, you tell us when the pick is in, and we'll play the sounder here, Wes. All right, the pick is in. Uh, Adam Thielen may be the most underrated receiver in the NFL. Ooh. You got to cut your microphone on, Walker. That's how radio works. Hold on. On... And then, hold on, let me write down, turn on mic. All right, cool. It won't happen again. You want to elaborate on anything else with Adam Thielen? Just about why he's the most underrated receiver in the NFL? Well, I mean, just the numbers, the consistency week in and week out. This is the guy that people thought was coming in here, left for dead, wasn't going to do much. And he's done nothing but put up numbers each and every week. I know the chunk plays might not be there, but still, he's been as dependable as a target as you could ask for uh, in this offense, consistently winning matchups, getting open, catching passes, doesn't have many drops on the season. But yeah, that's why. All right. So I have the second overall pick, my first round pick, an easy one. I thought he might get taken off the board, but mm. you went with Adam Thielen. Pick is in, Fitty. Play the music. <laughs> 
to take this guy first, even if I have some outside of the norm type of ones here, but I got to go Derek Brown. I, I, I had already started writing Derek Brown in my yeah, notes for what you said. If you don't I get knew him, that was coming. If you, well, right. Like, look, what Derek Brown is doing right now is ridiculous. It was kind of weird, Wes. I, I looked at his pro football focus grade. It actually wasn't among the highest. Like, he did have a streak of 80s. 90s top defensive tackle in the league this week that week whatever this one the the grade was a little bit further down on the list but watching him i thought he popped as much as anybody he had a player too in, in the game yeah well uh, i thought i thought you didn't think he was as dominant this game you usually accuse me when i say something like that of like nah that's not how you tell it <laughs> it felt like you were trying to take back a little bit of some if you didn't see it that's fine i just thought the pff grade didn't match what i saw on the field yesterday yeah no i was saying that you know he had a couple of Last plays that you saw, like especially when they showed him blowing up the guy. I think it was a third and two. When yeah. he blew up the tackle that caused the play to self-destruct. But go ahead. You elaborate. I well, don't no. want to steal your thunder. Well, I just think in the last, I don't know, if you were to split the season in two halves, I think the second half, Derek Brown, has been in somewhat tier one level defensive tackle land. I mean, he's a top 10 defensive tackle as it stands right now. He only continues to move up in those rankings. Pass rush, it's not necessarily what we would consider his strong suit. And yet still, he's got a really positive grade. We know he's a real run stuffer. He's ranked seventh of 128 interior defensive linemen in all of the NFL. He's the third best graded run defender among any other interior defensive linemen. And then we can even see some of these plays yesterday. Even the Troy Hill forced fumble, Derek Brown breaks through the offensive line and is also there to bring him down. And then Hill is there to punch that ball loose. There was a screen pass where Derek Brown blows through his guy. Now it's the screen pass. So sometimes you are letting those guys through in order to set up the play. But Derek could have pursued the QB, didn't recognize there's going to be a screen pass. He got through the line with ease and then starts to cheat towards the target. And eventually Desmond Ritter just dirts it because that play was going absolutely nowhere. I just think Derek Brown is in a mold right now where you have to pay him. He's throw. I mean, this is against two, what, the best interior offensive lineman this year in Chris Lindstrom. This is twice now where I've seen him either make splash plays or just destroy him in week one. That was by far the worst graded game of Lindstrom's season was in week one against somebody like Derek Brown. I couldn't say enough good things about him. He's my first pick. Yeah, I wish you would have called me before you decided to trade down to two so I would have gotten uh, – <laughs> I would have gotten Derek Brown. Well, my pick is in. And with the third pick in the Say Something Nice draft, which I can't wait till we do the Fitty version uh, next week. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do mine all obscure, out of left field type of things. Okay. The Panthers are the best wet weather team in the history of the NFL. Love it. This is a great <laughs> pick. I don't. It probably would have still been on the board, but it's like the good running back that everybody else is going to pass over, but he's going to be a stud. Like this is a great pick for me. Brad Panovich, uh, great meteorologist, great tweeter, and I think an avid listener to the station tweeted yesterday: the Panthers are three and zero when it rains one or more inches at home. It definitely rained an inch or more yesterday at Bank of America Stadium. The Panthers prevail. Nine to seven, and there's just something about watching good old ugly rainy football in December. It does make you wish you had the grass, though, just to see how muddied up those jerseys would have been. Oh, yeah, it would have been bad. Good old-fashioned football. Yeah, it would have been slip and slide for sure. Carolina is the example. All right, we can go snake draft. You can get another pick here by being last in the NFL. Say something nice draft. So do you want to go again here, Fiddy, is the pick in? With my second pick, 
in the Say Something Nice draft. Mm -hmm. Chris Tabor is the best special teams interim head coach in the history of the NFC South. Walker, you sent out a tweet yesterday complimenting his game management to benefit the special teams players. I more so thought it was hilarious, but yes, go on. And it was A, hilarious, B, accurate. Do we think... If Carolina was in the situation they were at the two-minute warning, they play to kick the field goal to win the game with Frank Reich as the head coach. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. I, I love the fact that Chris Tabor was so special teams galaxy brain that he decided, you know what? We have good field position as it pertains to the wind right now. I'm going to call a timeout with three seconds left to go in the first quarter because I want to help my guy, Johnny Hecker. How about Camus Grujay Hill going Kamu. with kickoffs? I think it's Camus. I Is don't it Camus? Th- yeah. Did it that- change mid, mid-year? mid No, well, it was Camus, and then it was Camus. I'm pretty sure that's right, but it might be Camus. I don't know. But Grujay Hill, if we just want to get rid of the first name, he's out there. He's out there going for kickoffs and at a squibby 30-yard line. Not the greatest, but oh well. Chris Tabor is just pulling out all the stops anyway. Great special teams game from Chris Tabor. I can't wait till at football clinics this upcoming summer where Wes is doing you know instructional videos. They're going to be mm-hmm. breaking down the elite special teams play we saw on Sunday from the Panthers. Love it. Absolutely love your team. I think those are both strong picks. Biddy. All right. I got one, too. Pick is in. <laughs> All right, it's the fourth overall, but it's second for Walker Mail. Say something nice, team. Thought these guys might be a couple of the first picks off the board. Uh-oh. It's fifth overall. You're right. You looked at me weird. <laughs> I can't count. Chuba Hubbard, welcome aboard. I, I, like, I can't say enough nice things about Chuba, too, for what he's been doing. Chuba, 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 chanting everywhere. What? <laughs> we were hard on him as a fan base, especially his rookie season last year. Steve Wilkes got a hold of him, and Chuba Hubbard became a pretty big part of this rushing attack. This year, despite the Panthers going after Miles Sanders and giving him the biggest running back contract to be handed out this offseason, even if they had every reason in the world to try to give Miles Sanders that job, Chuba Hubbard just comes out and gets 25 carries against Tampa, 23 against New Orleans, 22 against Atlanta, rattling off some big chunk plays, playing physical too, and getting a little better in the passing game. I'd still like somebody a little better there just to be a little more dynamic. But when there was a play that Bryce Young had to escape the pocket, rolls to the left, doesn't find anybody open downfield, rolls to the right, who does he throw to for a first down? It's Chuba Hubbard actually improvising alongside his QB. I'm not sure he makes that play a couple of years ago. I think what Chuba's doing, it's exactly what brings us a taste of the success that they had last year, despite you trying to get rid of his job. Despite you trying to take it and give it to Miles Sanders, I think he's really coming on strong lately. And Wes, even when Miles was a part of the game plan, it was still Chuba that was playing better football. So Chuba, nice things draft. Welcome aboard. You and Derek Brown are on my squad. All right. My pick is in. Listen, despite how the season has gone, despite all the sacks that have been taken, the many times that he's been looking up at that Carolina blue sky, and I'm just saying that because we're in North Carolina, not for the Tar Heels. No matter what has gone his way, media scrutiny, fan scrutiny, the young man said, you know what? I'm going to come out here on this final drive 
I don't care how many yards we got to go. It's not a short field. It's a long field. But I'm going to go five for five, 68 yards, and I'm going to get us down there to win this doggone football game. The resiliency of Bryce Young is a building block for the future. That is my pick for this round. This man, like I said, has endured it all in a rookie season, and I think it's going to help prepare him to be a star in this league. And now he's got two comeback victories to his name. We'll see what's next for Bryce Young. But his resiliency and football character are something to be built upon. All right, I like it. You drafted quality from Bryce Young. Has shown a couple times that he has a final drive in him. I do want to go to the text line. Maybe take a little bit of a break in the draft. Jack said, is Smith-Marset our wide receiver number one? That could be a nice thing said ever since he's been getting a little more integrated into the offense. Picante said with his 900th pick, he'll select Bryce Young. So, you know, losing the value there. (laughs) Uh, We'll continue to scroll. CJ said someone drafts Sam Franklin and all of his special teams plays, certainly at the beginning of the season too, Sam Franklin there. So those are some other draft picks. Wes, let's complete your team with the last pick in the Say Something Nice draft for Team Wes Bryant. Uh, With the last pick in the round, it is in for me. All right. Xavier Woods has been one of Carolina's best defenders this season and has been one of the better safeties uh, that you'll see as evidenced by his top 10 grade from PFF. I've talked about his superlatives week in and week out, but he's also been making big plays as evidenced by the interception uh, that he had in this football game to help set the stage for this draft and stop Atlanta's scoring chances there. But Woods has been a guy that's been Johnny on the spot, whether it's making interceptions, coming up, making tackles. He's missed some games this year with injury, but he's certainly been uh, a force for this defense, in my opinion, when he's been on the field. All right, so you have Adam Thielen, Bryce Young's resiliency, and Xavier Woods on your team. I'm also going to stick with the secondary, but I'm going to put a little twist on it. Okay. The pick is in, Fitty. With the last pick for Team Walker in the Say Something Nice draft, the males? Sounds weird with my last name. I really can't work with it that way. We pick cornerback reclamation projects here with Carolina. A team, a position that this team has traded for and lost a million different times. It was the joke. Scott Fitterer, if there's a cornerback there to be had, he'll give you a third-round pick. He'll go out there and sign him just for that cornerback to underperform, whether it be a draft, whether it be a trade, whether it be a free agent signing. It hasn't gone well, except for this season here, Wes. How about J.C. Horn, who actually gave up a couple plays yesterday? The one third down to Drake London was a good throw, good route by Drake, and J.C. did lose on that one. But J.C. Horn, ever since coming back after getting hurt, J.C.'s playing some good football right now. I think Dante Jackson, after what was a real rough start, Dante Jackson's starting to make a lot of plays. And if you look at what Dante does in coverage, Dante is ranked the 36th out of 120 cornerbacks when it comes to coverage, which is what I want my cornerback to do. And how about Troy Hill, man? Troy Hill coming in, not much expectations. Thought he could be. Hey, this has disaster written all over it. If you got to put Troy Hill out because he's better than C.J. Henderson, we'll talk about a low bar. Troy Hill might be better and still be really bad. He's been making plays all season long, too. Just had a forced fumble yesterday against the Atlanta Falcons. That was huge for him. And also, besides the Mike Evans coverage uh, assignment that he had, three cornerbacks that I think have played 
more often than not, good football for this team. And they were towards the bottom of the league in cornerback play. So I really like the reclamation project they've had with cornerbacks this year. All right. Last, well, pick, last pick, Fitty. The last pick of the last round of the Say Something Nice draft that is in. And a 980 number who is a member of the critically acclaimed Marlowe Militia. I'm go- I was going there with you, my man. The Panthers all-black uniform is the best alternate uniform in the National Football League. The Panthers are 2-0 when they wear the all-black combination at home against Atlanta. And P.S., it looks better during the daytime than it does at night. I like that. I, Fiddy, I like your team. It's creative. It's fun. It did. You got a good, strong team. Who says going last in the draft can't help you out? The snake that is Fiddy also took advantage of that strategy <laughs> of the draft and did a great job in drafting what was a great Say Something Nice team. So Fiddy went with Panthers being the best wet weather uh, gay uh, team in all of football. Chris Tabor coaching his special team's tail off in all black unis. I go with Derek Brown, Chuba Hubbard, and cornerback reclamation projects. West goes with Adam Thielen, Bryce Young, Resiliency, and Xavier Woods. Who had the best Say Something Nice team? Let us know. Carolina Men's Clinic text line, 704-570-9610. Let's move on. Talk about something that's going to be hard to say something nice about with the Charlotte Hornets. They lose to Philly by 53 points. Does that call for immediate change? It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. we said something nice in the last segment it's going to be tough with the charlotte hornet segment here after watching them lose to the pelicans 112 to 107 on friday at least that was only a five point loss still a tough basketball game didn't expect them to win pelicans a good basketball team that it's like everybody's darling pick to you know make a deep run this postseason especially if zion plays better all that to say you know any good feelings you had in that one go out the window when they lose to philly on the second night of a back-to-back, they lost 135-82. to 82. Mm. West, they lost by 53 points. It's the worst loss in franchise history. Mm. That's including the 7-59 and 59 Bobcats that we've referenced a few times because of the sickos on the text line. That's including some bad performances even in the last couple of years. Wasn't there? There was a preseason game against Dallas. I think they lost by like 60. It was preseason, so it doesn't count. 68, wasn't it? Was it, it a Dallas or Memphis? It was crazy. No, I think I think it was Dallas. I could be wrong, but I think it was Dallas. But yeah, it was it was something I might not ever see again in my life. <laughs> it was it was that bad, and it happened here. Now the injuries were terrible. As soon as I saw that injury report, I was like, yeah, this is going to be a beatdown. Gordon Hayward, late scratch because of a stomach virus. 
P.J. Washington out with a shoulder injury. Mark Williams out with a low back contusion. LaMelo out with an ankle injury. And then you also had Cody Martin and Frank Nilakina. But even still, we have people on the text line. Carolina Branks writes in, Walker, most people will give the Hornets a break, but I say we need a change. We have always given it up like this. I think that's right. It's straight embarrassing. So I saw a lot of that on my timeline. Because a 50-point loss, that'll do that to some people. I actually did see something split with Steve Clifford. It was 50-50 on, hey, what do you do if you're Steve? This is how the team is constructed. It's really bad. To the other side of the fence was, hey, it doesn't matter. Steve Clifford has to go. So what say you on this kind of loss, this kind of start to the season, where is it a loss that says, all right, now we got to change something? Or is it just the start to the season overall anyway that says, hey, change something and do it soon? Yeah, I think it's more so the start to the season. And, you know, you look at this basketball game, they shot 20% from three, 36% from the field, only 15 assists to 11 turnovers. You're not going to be very successful doing that at all, especially when you give up 60% from the field. Um, as far I talk about it all the time with Cliff, just how bad I feel for him because of, as you said, how this team is constructed, even at full strength, there's still things that he's been preaching over and over and over again that still aren't getting done. We're still talking about this team as one of the worst defensive teams in basketball, uh, uncharacteristic turnovers, and then just injuries galore. And yeah, so, the injuries are crazy. Yeah, so when you look at this thing, it's like, how much blame can you put on Steve Clifford besides the fact that he's the head coach? So it's like somebody's got to take the fall for this type of stuff. But other than that, I'm still sitting there looking at this team like this guy is damn near killing himself trying to preach these <laughs> principles to these guys to do it, but they won't do it. I think the change needs to come from the roster. That's what I think. I think when this uh, trade deadline comes up, you got to blow this thing up at least halfway and, and try to get on the, the reclamation project of building a culture for this franchise. And I think that's the thing that's needed more than anything. I don't know what a head coaching change will do because this franchise is notorious for not sparing all expenses to go get a big coach that's going to command the authority of the locker room. And th these players, as I've said over and over again, it's just – it's just not there with this culture. It's not a winning basketball uh, culture here in Charlotte. And I think that the roster needs to be turned on its head as much as anything. Yeah, so we can go to Chris from the Trey Four. Says, Walker, I need you to have the same energy for Mitch Kupchak you have for Scott Fitterer. Y'all know damn, damn well this hasn't been an NBA roster in years. James Borrego uh. overachieved. You had some sound for that. <laughs> well, I was just saying, I don't know that I agree that the roster is terrible from a talent standpoint. I think there's plenty of talent there. It's just that these guys won't buy into the things that are going to make you a winning basketball team, the hustle and the defense and all of those little things that get you those wins. Um, and here we are talking about letting Steve Clifford go. Man, we talked about it on Lockdown Hornets. You might just need to let him go for his own good. Just for him <laughs> to release him from this beast. Hey, it's okay, Steve. Like, this is not what you thought you were coming back to. And it's unfortunate, man. Here's Steve Clifford, too, talking a little more about the roster, saying this game was more about who wasn't there than who was. I think there's things, like I told the guys, that we can, there'll be things that we can learn from the film, um, you know, obviously that can help, you know, like little things, execution things. Um, I mean, the overall the story of the game would be more about the guys that didn't play than did, I would say. You know, um, but there's always things you can learn from the game, though. 
Yeah, when they go up against Joel Embiid, who has been destroying bad teams lately. So if you look at Philadelphia's schedule, they have played six games in the month of December. Every single one of those games have been against teams in the Eastern Conference who are in the bottom three in the Eastern Conference. They've played multiple games against Detroit, multiple games against Washington, one game against Charlotte, and they had one game against Atlanta. So Atlanta is also out of the play-in. In those games, Joel Embiid is averaging 40 points in all of those games. 40, shooting 63% from the field, 40 from three, multiple blocks per contest, shooting 11 free throw attempts, and shooting 93% on those 11 attempts per game. It's absolutely bonkers what he's doing against the bad teams. Nathan Minsa, <laughs> the guy who got called up to play against Jonas Valanciunas, who's a grown man out here in the paint. He certainly is. And then Joel Embiid, who is, along with Jokic, the most of grown men out here in the paint. Poor Mensa, man. Like, hey, congratulations. Mark can't go. We need some depth. P.J. Washington's out, so we can't even go small ball. Mensa, your first two games ever are against Valanciunas and Joel Embiid. That's how you get a minus 45 in the box score. It's brutal. That's not even the worst one that we had. Yeah. Miles Bridges got a minus 56. Yeah, it was numbers in there that we haven't seen before. Not that we're <laughs> ginormous analytics guys here, but when you look at it, the, the numbers are jarring. When you see guys negative 56, negative 38, negative 28, it was just a horrible loss uh, all the way around. And the key thing with this team is how are they going to respond to this thing? You know, you're going up to Toronto. Maybe they get Miles back in the lineup. Maybe they don't. Uh, we know we've seen some stuff with that as far as them not letting him in because of uh, the the record that he's got the felony charge. Yep. But other than that, how is this team going to respond? Most times when uh, professional teams get embarrassed, they come back strong. They may not win, but they'll come back strong. So we can see a little bit of the resolve of these Hornets teams, uh, this Hornets team tonight, though, and see how they bounce back, hopefully, against I, Toronto. I would love for them to bounce back strong. If you have to play Mensa 30 minutes, yeah, that's going to be a recipe yeah, for not be, bouncing back strong. It's going to be a problem. And so this is why so many people are saying, fire Mitch, fire Steve, trade the players, do all three. They And I get it. Fan base is angry. I it, it's, it's the Charlotte Hornets is what they've been doing for quite a while. The last time they got to the postseason was the 2015-16 season, seven-game series against Miami. It's been a long time. We're going on close to a decade. It might not feel that long. Crazy, it's sneaking up on me too, but we're almost there, Wes. Almost there 10 years ago was the last time that you got to the postseason. That's how close it is. So, for me, if you're going to fire Steve Clifford, then fine. It was supposed to be a quick fix anyway because you were so late into the season. Kenny Atkinson says, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to stay here in Golden State. And so now you're left scrambling. All right, let's just bring back the guy that used to coach us beforehand, right? So, if Steve Clifford goes, that's fine. But there's not really anybody else on this staff that you feel like is a young up-and-comer that might deserve an interim spot. Corbin has time coaching in the NBA, coached the Jazz for a while, but I, I think he might have come back, if I'm not mistaken, after taking a break. There's not anybody that screams, I'm ready for the rest of the season type of job. Ronald Norad might have made sense to me, but he went to the Pacers, now with the Hawks. Jade Triano would have made sense to me, having done this for quite some time, being the top assistant for James Borrego, but Triano's no longer here. So, what was that sound? <laughs> Top assistant for James Borrego. 
You missed Jay Triano? I knew that's what it was. Or you're missing James Borrego. You know, it just baffles me when we talked about the Friday night loss. Welcome back, JB, to the Queen City. Glad you got to come back in a winning performance. This is what bad organizations do. And this is what happens when you fire a coach who shouldn't have been fired. Because he overachieved with... The same roster limitations that Steve Clifford's been given? That's not true. Um, yeah, th- was he ever given a big man? That's he not wasn't, Was he ever given a big man? Yeah, but I disagree with that because especially that last run that he had before they got fired when you had Melo and Miles and Terry and all them and they were running them up. Like, that was they, they had their share of talent. And they went 43-39 and 39 in the deepest Eastern Conference in 20 years. Except okay, that it was deeper last year, but okay. I'm, I'm not talking about last year. Last year we were twenty-seven and fifty-five. No, I know, but you're saying, yeah, I'm even even with that point, the Eastern Conference is even deeper as you. But I'm talking about James Brago's last year. That when it, and look, I know getting blown out in a play-in tournament game twice, not ideal. Um, but also those games, <laughs> those games don't count. There's no record of them in in, in the NBA. <laughs> I like that. I there's like that idea. There's not. There's not. There, there's not. It a, didn't happen. What you saw is a figment of your imagination. So it I mean, doesn't even exist. You know, you fire a coach who you know was only in the same breath as Golden State to improve the win total by ten games or more in back to back years, or I think it was Phoenix. You know, won forty three games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then you got to go hire a guy that I mean, if Steve Clifford was so desired. He, he wasn't. He would have been on a bench somewhere. He he was. You had to go beg someone that you fired to to come take your job. How many lies did Fitty just say in that yeah, entire he, take? Yeah, he was what, definitely. What did improvised. I lie? He, we, he was an assistant <laughs> where in Brooklyn. Yes. So you're saying he would have been on a bench somewhere. He was. Yeah, he as, was not as, a head coach. As, as a head coach. Nobody said he was so desired. In fact, he wasn't desired even by this team. Like that's true. Yeah. They wanted Kenny Atkinson. Mike D'Antoni was a, a lead candidate. There was, I think it was Sweeney for Dallas, who was known as their defensive revamp, uh, revamp with the Mavericks. And so Steve Clifford literally was not desired. You're right about that. Like this was an emergency. We can't go anywhere else. And I didn't love it either. How it felt be- like a, it was a lack of preparation where they had to go back somewhere else and decided, all right, well, Steve Clifford's easy enough. It doesn't mean that Steve Clifford's doing a phenomenal job, but what we can do is provide context with what's happened the last couple of years and what has been horrible injury luck to a guy that has had, what, six, five injury or to his ankles with LaMelo, your $200 million a year guy, who's the last good season he put up was Brago's last season when he was healthy and got an all-star. I just feel like LaMelo would wear ankle braces for Brago. He didn't, though. But he would. <laughs> I, maybe, maybe. I, I don't. The thing about firing Steve Clifford for me, it doesn't it doesn't mean that you keep him long term. But just like we talk about it with Carolina, Wes, I don't want to fire Steve Clifford to try to get a head start on the coaching search. Right. If you don't have a new GM in place, like if you're going to clean house, clean house all the way, because I don't think Mitch Kupchak's going to be here. I don't expect Steve Clifford to be here. So what do you think is going to happen this season? Whatever top assistant you want to bring in, whoever is the guy here, Garnett, whoever, Corbin, because he has experience, they're not going to win more games. The injuries are still going to be a problem. And so if you keep Steve Clifford the rest of the way, and then you bid yourself a deal. Same thing with Mitch Kupchak. Hey, we already talked about the end of your career two seasons ago. It's time now, especially with new ownership. The way to play this out, in my opinion, is you go to the end of the season. You let them be in their roles. New ownership, Black Monday, whatever day the regular season ends on. The day after, 
You say, hey, thank you, Mitch. Thank you, Steve. We're moving on. You bring in a new GM, and then you let that GM make the decision on who should be the head coach. Yeah, I agree with that plan as well. And I think, too, you just start. So would you want them to start the roster process at the All-Star break or wait till the end of the season? Like, which way would you like to see it go as far as the construction of the roster? I I think it, it seems like the right idea to prey on the team's desperation, whoever might be out there for a contender. Hey, we, we really, Gordon Hayward's starting to play better now. We want him on the roster. We'll give you, you know, Mitch Kupchak will play some hardball. In fact, he'll play so much hardball that he just <laughs> won't make a deal. He's like, no, I'm not doing it. So, all right, <laughs> get off your hands, Mitch. Let's make some moves here. That's what you were supposed to do anyway when you came aboard. But maybe this is the time we actually see it. And maybe there's a contender desperate enough to compete in what feels kind of wide open especially if you think Denver is going to be fatigued. Maybe there's a contender out there that is willing to give up a first-round pick with less protection than we thought, no oncoming money in the future, so maybe expire. Like It's all about the deals, but I'm, I'm down, Wes. If the right deal's out there, I'm definitely down. Let's move on. Let's continue with the live wire on the other side of the break. We got some Panther sound. Chip Kelly made a comment about fixing college football. It's coming up next on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.